Happy Father's Day. All right. Um, my name is Philip Brand. I'm the pastor here. If you're visiting with us, uh, there is a bulletin, and at the bottom of that is um, like a communication card. If you could fill that out, um, I'd just like to pray for you. I'm not going to show up at your door, um, so you don't have to worry about that. But um, I would like to pray for you. So if you could fill that out, and on your way out, there's a table, and there will be a person there who's not in this room right now, but he will give you a, a gift bag if you turn that thing in. So, so good. Happy Father's Day, guys. Happy Father's Day. I just want to let you know this isn't a Father's Day sermon. So, so if you came for, for that particular thing, this isn't it, but, um, but this is, a, this is a, um, a sermon for all people. So, so um, I, do, I do think that um, fathers get beat up a lot. In, in this culture, and um, I think that there is a is a focus on men being told they need to understand women, and there's not a focus for women to understand men. And we are different than you are, and we think differently, and we do things differently, and it's the way that God designed us because we're very unique. And so um, I suggest to everybody here that uh, guys, you get to know your wife as much as possible, figure out how she thinks, and if you do, write a book. <laughs> and for for ladies, you really need to sit down and figure out why your God does certain things, because there are reasons why he operates and why you think what he's doing is weird. Um, yeah, right, thank you, thank you. There's some things, but but it is it is just what you think is odd about us, we equally think is odd about you. And that's why we're different. So just take the time to learn about your man, figure out how he thinks, and guys, figure out how your lady thinks, and you'll have a good marriage if you if you focus on that. Um, I, I think that too often times, uh, men are trying. It, we are told that men need to change in order to be more like what the woman wants us to be like. And the problem with that is, I'm a man and I can't be a woman. I mean, I just, I can't do it. I can't think like you. I can't look like you. I can't walk like you. I don't understand how you do certain things. I don't understand how women have conversations where they're all over like this. You with me? I, I don't understand what's going on, but women do. Um, and guys are just different. We're just different. We're just different. So um, I think if God created man and woman, you should let the man be a man and the woman be a woman and go through life. That's the way way I see it. So no beating up on dads today. We're back in our series called Elisha. Um, it's right in front of you. So um, raise your hand if you have a smartwatch on in this room. Smartwatch on? Yeah? For Christmas this, this past year, my wife bought me a smartwatch. Um, I'd, I already had one. It was a pebble, a little pebble. I love my pebble. But they were bought out by uh, Fitbit. And so I couldn't hardly use my Pebble anymore because they didn't transfer the stuff over. So for Christmas, she bought me this smartwatch. Now, this, this smartwatch is, is, is absolutely amazing. It, it actually does an EKG. You can do an EKG on, on my wrist. I can hold my little finger right here for 30 seconds. It does my heartbeat, has the little things going up and down. Fast or slow, depending on what my heart is doing. And I can actually have an EKG, which proves that I have a heart. <laughs> Proves it, okay? 
Another thing that it does is like when I exercise, and I've started exercising. It, it don't get excited. It's just six minutes a day. So, um, so don't, just don't get excited, but, but there it is. So I, I, I do this, and actually I got this app on my TV, and, and I've never really understood how, how to do these crunches and stuff, watching people do it, but this app is just stick figures, just stick figures doing it, and I, I completely understand the simplicity of the stick figure and how it goes forward and backwards and bends and stuff. I don't know what it is about that, but nonetheless, when I do those exercises, my watch actually increases my heart. It, it shows that my heart rate is increasing, and um, it actually compiles that information and tells me how many calories I've burned and, and all that kind of stuff. My watch also, if I'm outside, if I'm on a ladder and I fall down on the, on the ground, it will call 911. It will know if I, isn't that crazy? Crazy? So, so all this to say, my vitals, my vital signs for me actually being alive is, is stored right here on, on this watch. It is, it is transferred to my phone, which is then transferred to the central government because they are very concerned if I'm alive or not, okay? If they see my heart rate go down, they're going to be, they're going to be you know, very up in arms about it. But nonetheless, the government is watching if I am alive or if I'm dead, and it all comes right here. In fact, I can even answer a phone call on here and talk on, on, my, on my watch back and forth, you know, like Star Trek. And I can do that back and forth. So I also think that, you know, Big Brother is listening in to everything I'm saying. So if I'm in my car, they're listening, right? If, if I'm at home, they're listening right from my watch because this, this just stays right here. They know I'm alive because they hear me. They, they know it. They see the vital signs. Some people would be scared of that. I'm not. I just say Jesus a bunch of times, and I figure that they won't listen after a while anyway. So, here's the question for you, after all that silliness. Is the presence of my heartbeat really proof that I'm alive, or is it just proof that I exist? Is, is my heart rate and my vitals, my blood pressure, if it, is it proof that I'm alive, or is it proof that I exist? I believe that there's a lot of people that are going through life that are just existing and they're not living. There, there's problems happening. There's problems maybe that, that have come on their life and that are on their shoulders and, and pressing them down and, and they, they feel paralyzed and, and they just can't move past those particular problems. That spit right there meant that that was a great point. Um, so so you, have, you have this thing going on and... and a lot of people, a lot of people are just really just existing, and they're not really living. And, and I think that a lot of people are that way. I think, I think a lot of people um, exist because they feel like they're out of control. They can't control particular situations, so, so they clam up because they can't, they can't control these particular things that are going on in their life. So instead of living, instead of stepping out, Instead of stepping beyond that problem or into that problem or into that moment to come up with a solution, they basically just exist through their issue. The issue is there. They feel like they can't do anything about it. And so they stop and, and they pause and they can't control it. So they just choose to exist rather than 
live? If you were to stop right now, would there be proof that you are living or would there be proof that you are existing? If you were to stop at this moment and think through, which one are you doing? The greatest mistake we make in life is to try to control the things we have no control over and relinquish the control over the things we, uh, we can affect and change. It's the greatest mistake we make. We try to control the things we can't control, that we have no control over, and we relinquish control over the things that we can actually control. That's the biggest mistake that we make in life. And that mistake is the difference between living and existing. It's between living and existing. So with that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6, and we'll begin reading with verse 24. Verse 24. <clears throat> it says this, And afterward, Benahad, king of Syria. Now this is a brand new king. You read, remember last week, there was that king of Syria. This is a brand new king of Syria. After, afterward, Benadag, king of Syria, mustered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. Now, Samaria is the capital of the, Norman, of the northern uh, Israel kingdom. And there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of a dove's dung for five shackles of silver. We currently have a, we have a deck on the back of our house, and currently I think it's a bombing area for birds. Um, I don't know where these birds have come from this season, but they keep bombing and bombing and bombing. I keep washing and washing and washing. So when I read this verse about a dove's dung, and this is a pretty substantial amount of money, I'm thinking that maybe I shouldn't wash it off. Maybe I should put it all together and start selling it to people. Obviously, there's some people that would eat it. But this shows you, I'm joking about all that, but this shows you how bad the siege was. They're actually eating bird poop, okay? But it doesn't stop here. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by on a wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the Lord will not help you, how shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king asked her, What is your trouble? And she answered, This woman said to me, Give me your son that we may eat him today. And we will eat my son tomorrow. So we bowled my son and ate him, and on the next day I said to her, Give your son that we may eat him, but she has hidden her son. And when the king heard the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath on his body. And he said, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now, Elisha is in the city of Samaria. 
Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence, but before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has sent to take off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was speaking with them, the messenger came down to him and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus said the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, a seeth of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two seeths of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So basically he's saying the economy is horrible because the prices for food and bird dung is very high, but tomorrow you're not going to be eating bird dung anymore. You're going to be eating good food, and you're going to get it cheaply. Prices are going to go down, and you'll be able to afford some food. Then the captain, on whose hand the king leaned, said to the man of God, If the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But Elisha said, You shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. So, city of Samaria surrounded, a lot of bad stuff going on, and things are tense. Outside of the city, it's where this part of the story starts. Verse 3. Now, there were four men who were lepers. Um, lepers are outcasts. Lepers are people that, in that day, you couldn't hang around at all. Leprosy was something that was feared. Nobody knew how you, how you got it. So, so they were very scared of, this, of these people. So, so they were outcasts. So they were sitting at the gate of the city where they were quarantined. So these lepers were at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, Why are we still sitting here? Or why are we sitting here until we die? Why are we sitting here till we die? So I want you to picture this. Here's some outcasts. They're dying. Their, their thumbs are falling off. Their, their ears look weird. Their face looks horrible. And they're sitting and they're dying. They have this leprosy and also they do not have food. And they're outcasts from the city. Nobody really wants to talk, about, uh, talk to them. Nobody really cares about them. Nobody really cares about them. And they're sitting, and they're suffering, and they're saying, we are so hungry, why are we just sitting here doing nothing? This is a very important question. This is the first question that you have to ask, especially if you feel like you are just existing and not living. You understand? If you feel like that you are just existing, the first question you ask is, why am I just sitting here? That is a great question. It's a great question. Why am I just sitting here doing nothing? Why am I just sitting here in this desperate situation? Why am I just sitting here in this problem? Why am I just not doing anything about it? Why am I just sitting here? This is the first question you ask if you want to move from existence to life from existence to life, from being stuck to being free. Why am I just sitting here in my pain, in my gloom, in my issues? The moment that you ask that question is the moment that you begin to say, what are my options? Because that's the next thing. Like if you're just existing in your problem and your problem has overwhelmed you, 
um, the next thing you start to look at is options. How can I move from this problem to something else? So, 2 Kings chapter 3 continues the story. Verse 4. If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we will die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. So the options that they had was um, we could either sit here and die or try to get into the city and die, or we could step out and go to the camp of the Syrian army, surrender, and if they don't kill us, at least they'll feed us. So instead of sitting here and just merely existing and wasting away to nothing, this is my option to actually have an opportunity to live. And even if I go here and die, at least I died doing something. At least I died trying to live. At least I died in action. Is everybody following me? Is everybody following me? I see Christians a lot of times get a problem and they just sit in it. They are all about that issue. They sit in it. They cannot think about solutions, and they begin to retreat because of that problem, and they get to the place where they just merely exist. Now, let me explain some existing stuff, just in case you're kind of confused, because I know I am. I'm just seeing if you're listening. Yeah, great, awesome, you're with it, great. There is movement, awesome. So here is existing. Existing is when I retreat to the place where I begin to protect myself at any angle. I build up walls. I want to talk to people. I, I get to where I'm alone. I don't want to go out. I begin to make sure that at least I have enough food to eat or, or I try to, to make sure that I'm safe. And safety becomes my number one goal in life, not living. I begin to protect myself in a very kind of unhealthy sort of way. I believe that you should protect yourself. I think that's part of living. But there's a lot of protection and a lot of things that we do that actually paralyzes us from stepping out and living. When we begin to build walls and protect ourselves because we fear what might happen is the moment that you and I are simply existing in life rather than living. You see, the Christian life is one that's not based on fear, it's based on faith. It's not one that's based on being paralyzed in your meager existence here and the problems that you have. It's one based on faith and action and movement. It says that no, regardless of the problem that I have and how I feel about it, there is a God who loves me and there is a way out of this. There is some way that he wants me to learn and move and go, there is something he wants me to do, and I must do it. Some people stay in their existence because what they are waiting on, what they are waiting on right here, is for God to move them from existence to life. So they just stay here and wait on him. 
And we claim the verse, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Inaccurately, by the way. But we just stay here and we wait. It's like we want God to do some type of welfare miracle for us and send us something that would, that would solve our issue. And, and we just kind of stay here and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait and God doesn't seem to come. And then we say that God doesn't care. Is everybody tracking? So God doesn't care. I submit to you this morning that if you're a child of God, God, number one, does care. And number two, he has given you the ability to move. He's given you the ability to say, why am I sitting here as a child of God? Do we really believe that song that we, we sang last? That basically says the power that is inside of us is the power of the resurrected Christ that should be shown through shown forth in our life, right? We, you and I, should be able to overcome really anything in this life. We should have the strength to make it through anything in this life. That doesn't mean that it ends well in this earth, in this life, but it does mean that we have the strength to make it through it, even if we get to the place where we pass away because of it. The first question here is, why am I still sitting here? And it's the first question you have to ask if you're just merely existing and not living. And this is precisely what these three lepers, these three outcasts, these people that had nothing did. Why are we still sitting here? Let's at least go to the enemy. Because the worst that can happen is they would kill us and we're going to die anyway. So let's just go over there and see if they will allow us to have some food. Sometimes we blame God for not doing anything when we are the ones that need to be moving. Come on. Sometimes we blame God for not doing anything when we are the ones that should be moving. Stop waiting for someone else to make your life count. Step forward and make your life count. You have the power to do that. These lepers had nothing. They didn't count at all. The city didn't even like them. But they stepped forward. They said, why are we still sitting here? Let's do something about this. So, that's what they did. Verse 5, so they arose at twilight, it's not a movie, to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses and the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents and their houses and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. 
And they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. This is the equivalent to someone re- winning the lottery. These lepers had nothing, nothing at all. And all of a sudden, they get to this camp, everybody's gone, and there's food, and there's clothing, and there's gold, and there's silver, and there's all kinds of great stuff. It is the lottery. It's the lottery. In fact, I'm sure that, well, I'm not even going to say that. They went in and they just won it. So they found this stuff, and so they did what every human would have done, right? They took it, and they hid it. They hid it away. Let me give you a little, little secret about something. The more stuff you have and the more you depend on that stuff, the more you, you are going to want to protect it. Protect it from being taken from you. Protect it from people taking it from you. And so they had this stuff and they took it and they hid it because they didn't want anybody else to know that they had it. Here are four lepers that started with the question of, why are we still sitting here? Let's go to the Syrian camp to see if they'll feed us. All they wanted was food and they got there and when they got there, nobody was there. So they ate their food and they took the stuff and they're like, man, wow, this is awesome. We have really been blessed. And they started uh, hiding this stuff. I think it's human nature, by the way, to um, have money and, and want to keep it for yourself. I think it's human nature. I think that's the reason that in Scripture God tells you to give back to him. Because he knows you won't. Unless he tells you to. Have you ever thought about that? God tells you to do things that you won't naturally do. Right? And I would, I would suspect, I don't know who gives in this church, but I would suspect that there's some people in the church that just don't give because they have stuff at home that they, they want to support. Come on. I never talk about money, but I'm talking about it today. Okay? These people hid stuff. It's in the text. All right? It's in the text. They hid it because... This is our stuff, right? And let's remind ourselves of a couple of things. Who had blessed them with the food? Who had blessed them with this wealth? Because God's the one that drove the army away, right? So let's review this. Who has blessed you with your money? Who has given you your money? then why in the world would you not tithe back to him? I don't understand that. I don't understand that. I have tithed since I was 15 and a half years old. 15 and a half years old. I have never missed a meal because I'm exercising. I know you can't tell it. Right? I haven't missed a meal, I haven't, I haven't missed a bill, and I've had some bills that were bigger than our bank account. But for some reason, the math doesn't work sometimes in my life, and the money that I have seems to last for the bills that I need to pay. And I'm not talking about the latest iPhone, I'm talking about power, I'm talking about water, 
I'm talking about food on the table. I'm talking about gas for my car. I'm not talking about the latest computer, the latest iPad, the latest movie that I get to go see. I'm not talking about all the frills and, and the vacations that we've had before. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everything that I've ever needed, God has always provided. And he has promised that in Scripture, if you will just give back to him. But we are so, we hoard stuff, right? And we, and we protect it instead of giving. Do you know that at this church, you're not really giving to me? Do you know that? I just want to let you know. You're not giving to me. You're giving toward missions in other countries. You're giving toward God's work in this church. Do you know if I was to die today, and I hope that doesn't happen because I'd like to at least get through Father's Day. I'd like to at least do that. But if I was to die today, do you know this church would still be here because it's Jesus, it's his church, it's Christ's church, it's God's. And so you are actually giving to the kingdom. Do you know that in Scripture there's a widow that gave? A widow's might. And she gave to a temple system that was corrupt because her might was not being, her might, she was not given to the priest. She was given to God. It is, it is your responsibility to give, right? It's your responsibility to make sure that God's mission and, and focus is, is funded. Um, I, I think it's interesting sometimes. I do have this thought from time to time. Um, if we all held up, if we all held up our iPhones today, or our, or our smartphones, and everybody in here has them, I've seen them. Not that I'm judging, but I've seen them. I mean, you go out, we have an app and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you rose... Those in the air today, I've already done the math. We could have already paved the parking lot right next door. Just with what you spend on your iPhone. So what we do, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm just trying to give you a point. What we do is we hoard for the things that we really want. Because it's for us. Instead of thinking about what God wants to do to impact our community and our culture, we think about what we want, the latest iPhone, the latest um, electronic device that we're going to have to switch out in probably about eight months anyway because it will be, you know, not usable anymore. I know you're uncomfortable, but that's fine. It, it won't be, un, it'll be unusable, so we'll have to get another one. But then when it comes to God's church and you give that money to God's church, you give to God's church it is an eternity that is involved there. It is an investment in the next life. It, it's people that are going to be in heaven rather than hell. It is people that will learn how to live rather than how not to live. Is everybody tracking with me? But we hoard. So here in this passage of scripture, they have all this stuff and there's the city that is starving. They're selling their children. Well, they're not selling them. They're killing their children, eating, eating their children. They're eating dove dung. I don't even know how big a dove dung is. I've never seen a dove dung. Um, Nicole's never made that for me for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. But they're sitting there and they're eating that. And here they are. They're eating all the best of the food of that particular world. And they're hiding stuff. And then it starts to wear on them a little bit. And in verse 9, they said to one another, we 
are not doing right. That is a powerful, powerful statement. These these are lepers who have nothing and nobody wants to give them anything and they were not treated like everybody else is treated. You want to talk about equality, this wasn't equality. They were quarantined. Nobody hardly talked to them. And in the Jewish culture, when they came into the city, they had to say, leper, 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 leper. Wouldn't that be great if we did that today? White, 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 Mexican, 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 Mexican. Wouldn't that be horrible? We would make the news. Wouldn't we? It's just horrible. So these people, because they had leprosy, had to do that. So these were people that were disgraced. But they get here and they say, we are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. Let us go and tell the city that salvation has come. There's a lot of stuff here and a lot of people that need it, and there's plenty to go around. So they go back to the city. So verse 10, so they came and called to the gatekeepers of the city and told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard, and nothing but horses tied and the donkeys tied, and the tents as they were. And then the gatekeepers called out, and it was told within the king's household. And the king rose in the night and said to his servants, I will tell you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we are hungry. Therefore, they have gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the open country, thinking when they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. I'm, I know I'm going to have to shut this down, but listen, that's interesting to me. Here's a king that was told by Elisha what? God's going to work, but tomorrow your city will have food. And here's a king that just didn't believe it. How many times have you heard a message that you walked out of these doors or out of a church, another church somewhere else or you heard something on the radio that you just didn't believe? And, it, and it's only a matter of moments to where you needed that particular piece of information. How many times have you left a, a, a sermon, a, a, it's something that God wanted to tell you, and you went somewhere, and you really needed that message, but you totally ignored it and went a total different way? How many times? And here's a king that's been told that God's going to work, and he doesn't believe it. I realize that it's very natural for him to say this, that they might be hiding somewhere and tactically, you know, in a tactical mind. But Elisha, the man of God who has never been wrong, told him that his city would be taken care of in a matter of 24 hours. He just didn't believe. Maybe your step from merely existing as a Christian to living like God wants you to 
is believing what his word says and finally living by what his word says. Maybe it's time to listen to the word of God. Maybe it's time to listen to the preacher. Maybe it's time to listen to the prophet and take what is said from the word of God and really apply it to your life and really live it out there. Amen? Maybe it's time to quit second-guessing it and step forward and live by faith. Maybe it's time to do that. One of his servants said, Let's the men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Let us send and see. So they took two horsemen, and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And so they went after them as far as the Jordan, and behold, all the way was littered with garments and equipment that the Syrians had thrown away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. Then the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians. So a sea of fine flour was sold for a shekel and two seas of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. So there are several things that I really wanted to bring up about that, but I'm I'm not going to. I'm going to try to bring this down and, and close this out. So I'm going to jump to this point. Do not underestimate your current condition. Do not underestimate your current condition. If you're having an issue right now, whether it's health or whether it's at work or whether it's with your child or whether it's with your spouse or, and you feel like you're a loser and you feel like you have nothing, do not underestimate your current condition. These lepers had nothing and they were hungry. They did not underestimate their current condition. They went forward and they lived. Do not underestimate your current condition. God can use your current condition for his glory. God can use your current condition to do something great. God can use your current condition to encourage another believer on their way. You presently have everything that you need to step forward with faith and help someone else out. You see, God only requires us to bring our nothing. That's all he requires us to do. We bring nothing to him, and he makes something out of that nothing. He does. I honestly have nothing to offer you. Philip Brand has nothing to offer you. Nothing. But my God has something great to offer you. The God of this word right here that wrote it for you has something great for you. And all you have to do is bring your nothing and say, I am nothing, Lord, use me, and he will make you great. There will be things you do that will be absolutely incredible, that you know it's not you, that it's God working. You cannot believe that he is doing this, and you see it happening, and all it is is you bringing your nothing. You know, I just had a thought. Maybe that's not exactly correct. Maybe what we do is we bring our junk. Right? 
Maybe we bring our junk to him, and he makes that something. I have a lot of junk. You have a lot of junk. Maybe that's it. You know, there's, there's a verse that says this. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amazing. Next screen, 2 Peter 2.10, and this is a paraphrase. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people. That's all of us in this room. God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. From what? Say it. Nothing to something. From rejected to accepted. One of my favorite songs right now is, is by um, Rhett Walker Band. They had this little EP on iTunes. Oh my goodness, that is it's the best Christian music out right now. It's absolutely incredible. Anyway, they have this song, and in the chorus, it says, um, it says, saint from a sinner, rebel to a son. Saint from a sinner, rebel to a son. If you want to see a miracle, look at me and see what love has done. Bring your nothing. I guarantee you today that you're living better than four lepers outside of a city. Right? You're living better than that. And you have a ton of potential. A ton of potential. And the reason that you have potential is not because of what you did last night. It's not because of what you did this week. It's not because of who you are and how great you are. The reason you have potential is because the God that created the universe wants to use you for his honor and his glory. We bring our nothing and he fills it up with his glory. We bring our nothing, and he fills it up with his glory. We bring our nothing, and he fills it up with his glory. Amen?